All right, praise the Lord. Now listen, we're going we're gonna to be looking at Joshua uh, chapter 3, uh, only a, a very short portion of that passage of Scripture. I've been there the last uh, few weeks, and we're going to stay in this theme that the Lord is speaking to us. And I've asked the Lord how long, and he said, until you get it. So um, I'm, I'm just uh, laboring in the Lord and the Word of God and uh, if in your behalf and in my behalf and believing that the Lord is leading us. But this is what the Lord said to uh, Joshua. He, in this past portion of Scripture, Joshua chapter 3, the last part of verse 4, we've already read this for two or three weeks in a row. Uh, he's talking about seeing the priests take up the ark and move forward in their, in their march into the promised land. And he says, to them, do not come near the ark. The ark is representative to them of the presence of God. Do not come near so that you can know the way in which you are to go. Don't come so close uh, to it that we, I want you back far enough from the move of God so that you can see and navigate the steps that you are going to take. But I don't want you so far back from it. He, he, he moved them back a half mile from it just so that they had visual perspective. I want you to say that. Visual perspective. You need to have visual perspective on how God is moving in the earth today. I'm going to give you today some visual perspective. I'm going to give you some prophetic perspective. I feel like that in today's uh, uh, environment in the church, that in just the, the recent months, the Lord has given me visual perspective of what he is doing in the earth today and where we are headed as a church, where the kingdom of God is headed, and we must have visual perspective. So the Lord says, I want you to just step back just enough to have visual perspective, but not so far removed that you can't sense or understand my presence, not so far removed that you become indifferent to my presence. The world that we live in, even those many who know God, are far enough away from his presence that they've lost visual perspective. They've lost an awareness of the ever uh, uh, present God. They've lost an understanding of of the move of God. And they've begun to say in their own life, where is God in all of this? So he does not want you to pull back so far from him that you become indifferent to the fact that he is ever present, that he is always there, that he's always with you, that he never leaves you alone, that you are never without his presence, that you are never without his strength, that you are never without, you are never without his voice. So we're living in a, even in a Christian culture where people have backed away from the Lord just enough that they've become indifferent to the reality of his presence and they've begun to wonder in their own life, where is God in all of this? And the Lord said, don't back off from me that far. You stay close enough to me that you can see what I am doing. I know I'm repeating myself and I'm going to keep saying this until the Holy Spirit drives it into our heart deeply. So I want to talk to you a little bit. First of all, I'm going to take you to a little bit passage in Revelation, and I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the book of Revelation here. The book of Revelation is a, is a, a great prophetic book, and it talks about all kinds of prophetic end-time events, and we know that we're sitting on the threshold of, of many of those things and have probably stepped into some of those things. But I want to tell you that I don't read the book of Revelation. I've not read the book of Revelation for the purpose of, of understanding end-time events. 
events. That's not my motivation for going into the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation does not open by saying, this book is here so that you can understand what is going to happen in the end times. That's not what it says. It says, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. So my motivation for going into the book of Revelation is to begin to look at passages of Scripture that talk about our King of kings and Lord of lords and who he is and what his ministry is today and what his assignment is as he sits at the right hand of the majesty on high, as he sits in the throne room. What is, his, uh, what is he doing? So I only read that right now in this, in this period of time in my life. I only read the book of Revelation to see where I see Jesus. I'm not trying to understand all the timelines. The Bible teaches us that those are written in the heart of the Father. Even Jesus said, nobody knows the hour or the day, so you're not going to go figure all that stuff out. You're not going to figure out hours and days, and people who study eschatology are probably going to get mad at me for saying this right now, and I don't care what they, what they think, uh, and I don't care uh, what their opinion is. I'm telling you that the passages of that book are there so that you will see Jesus. And if you will go read that and look for Jesus, Jesus, you will get a new perspective on your King and Lord and Savior. You'll get new perspective on him. So I'm going to take you to a passage of Scripture, Revelation chapter 14, verse 15 and 16, and we're going to see one of the things that Jesus is doing in the book of Revelation. Another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice, and said to him who sat on the cloud, when you read that passage, you'll see that uh, he's, that, that, Jesus is sitting in this cloud, and he has a crown on his head, and he has a scepter in his hand. And an angel comes out of the temple, and he says to him, Thrust in your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap. The harvest of the earth is ripe. And I want to just tell you that I don't know all the timelines, and I understand that that. Ultimately, Jesus will thrust in the sickle and he will harvest the earth and all the believers are going to come into the, into the presence of God for eternity and all of, that, all of that is going to unfold. But when I read stuff like this, I'm trying to just take, out my, take my timeline out of it and just imagine what Jesus may be doing. And as we've laid loved ones to rest and we've experienced the last uh, many years and we've watched people go into eternity that we didn't think we wanted to let go of and all of that kind of stuff, it began to, I began to understand by the Spirit of God that there is a shift in the heavenlies. And if, when there is a shift in heaven, stay with me here, when there is a shift in heaven, there is a shift in the kingdom of God in earth. Jesus prayed in Matthew chapter 6, and he taught us to pray in Matthew chapter 6, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So I was imagining these individuals who, 
who have stepped into eternity, who walked into that throne room where they were so familiar, where they've been so many times before because there they have prayed and there they have sat in the presence of God and there they have worshiped and there they have experienced him and there they have gotten to know him and there they have found that chair, that seat where we're seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus with their name on it and they've sat there and they've worshiped God and they've stood there and they've submitted themselves to the Lord and they've lived their life in his presence and so they walk back into that room where they know him and where they are familiar with him and 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 the Lord seats them there uh, I shared yesterday at Linda's memorial that the Lord seats them there among that great cloud of witnesses and they are cheering us on so Revelation tells us that the sickle is thrust in and the earth is harvested. And so the Lord has done some harvesting among us. And we need to rejoice. We need to get God's perspective on this moment in history because he has taken people with eternal purpose and placed them in their eternal place. And that great cloud of witnesses is gathered around us and is shouting to the Father and is rejoicing and their prayers are going up before him eternally and they are shouting you and I on to victory. They are believing God with us and for us and they have prayed for us and they have declared over us uh, throughout their lives and the Bible tells us that those prayers that they have prayed and those songs that they have sang and the worship that they have brought before him is coming up before him eternally as a sweet smelling savor and a sweet smelling sacrifice and he's answering those prayers in your behalf. So would you gain eternal perspective in this moment on what God is doing in the earth? Would you say to the Lord, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And as we move forward with this understanding that we are uh, we are being led by the Lord through new territory. You are in new territory. You have never passed this way before. Are you hearing me? You are in new territory. You, where you are going now in the kingdom of God, you have never gone before. So we're going to spend some time talking about the eternal purposes of God and grabbing hold of what is in heaven and bringing it into earth in the days that are ahead of us. We are on the threshold of a time that actually makes the heart of God very, very glad. I want to read to you from the book of Ephesians right now. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter Three and chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 3. The apostle is talking about his assignment in the earth, and he says, This grace was given, go back, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery. Listen to these words, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known 
listen, by the church. Y'all ought to write some of these phrases down right here. That the manifold wisdom of God would be made known by the church to principalities and powers. Everybody say manifold wisdom of God. And say by the church to principalities and powers. So what God said to the, believe me, the enemy has read the book. So what God said to the enemy was, I'm going to show off. I'm going to show my manifold wisdom. I'm going to display to you, slewfoot, devil, demons. I'm going to display to you, rebellious, created beings, the manifold wisdom of God by the church. He didn't say, I'm going to show the manifold wisdom of God by angels. He didn't say, I'm going to show the manifold wisdom of God by other created beings. He didn't say, I'm going to show the manifold wisdom of God uh, by uh, the animals. I'm going to show the manifold wisdom of God by the birth. He said, I'm going to show the manifold wisdom of God by the church. My people are going to display my power and my authority in the earth to the point that you, devil, and his followers are going to be caught off guard. We're going to dance around on this for a little bit. This is the eternal purposes of God. This is the reason that it all began in the first place. This is the reason that God decided before the Garden of Eden that he would redeem mankind, that he would set us in our place, that he would set us on a firm foundation, that he would bring us to Mount Zion, that he would release us in the earth. This is the reason. that the manifold wisdom of God would be displayed to powers and principalities by the church. You who sit there in your, in your own thinking and you think, who, me? What do I even have to bring to the table? I don't, I don't have great faith. I'm not the superhero in the kingdom. I don't even know a whole lot of scripture. Do you know what Jesus said? If you have faith, even as a grain of mustard seed, if you'll just get in board, if you'll just get in agreement with me, if you'll say what I'm saying, your faith is a grain of mustard seed. You can say to this mountain, be removed and, and, and be cast in the sea and it'll be done. If you have faith, if you have even the smallest amount of faith, if you've, if you've put your trust in me, if you'll say what I'm saying, if you'll come into agreement with me, you'll ask what you will and it shall be done if you have faith. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Pastor. Wait a minute. Back up. Back up because I, there's so many things I've prayed that that it would seem that God hasn't answered and there's so many things that I've asked for that, that I haven't gotten what I've wanted. And Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Pastor. Frame this correctly for me. 
Well, first of all, the Bible tells me that I ask for many things out of my own desire so that I can consume them upon my own lust or, or that I go to the Lord because I want what I want. And the Bible doesn't tell me that I'm going to get what I want when I want what I want. The Bible says that he's going to give me the desires of my heart. And that's a twofold process. First of all, he frames the desires within my heart. I submit myself to him until he reshapes my heart. He takes out that stony, resistant heart, and he replaces it with a heart of flesh that's soft and tender toward him. And he changes my heart. He changes my desires. And when he changes my desires, they come into agreement with him. And when my desires come into agreement with him, he gives me the desires of my heart. So Lord, reshape our heart. Take out that stony heart and put in that heart of flesh and reshape my desires so that you can freely give me the desires of my heart. Because you said that if I ask, I'll receive. And then, Lord, what about all, the, all of the losses that we've experienced, it would seem, and all of the, the struggles that we've gone through in the past many weeks and months and, and all, of, all of that stuff that, that you, uh, we've come before you and, and, and it would seem that we've cried out to you and yet uh, that we have not seen results in the answer to those prayers. Frame that for me, Pastor. Well, let me frame that for you. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and all they that dwell therein. And it is appointed unto man once to die, and after death there's the judgment, there's that standing before God that we each are going to face. And there is this wonderful strand of who God is that we don't like to think about in his sovereignty that he orders our steps and we come in submission to him even in that area. And we say, Lord, we lay down what we want. We press on the heavens for the thing that we desire. But at the end of the day, we submit our will to yours. Well, well, Pastor, I know you believe in for healing for folks that have died, and you believe in for, for uh, healing for folks that have endured sickness, and you're believing for, and what about all of that? Well, you know, the Bible says the last enemy to be conquered is death. So we get on the line of faith, and we consider death to be an enemy, and we fight that fight of, that good fight of faith until the last moment, and then we move forward from there. So I shared with congregation yesterday, and I'm going to share with you today the, the, the word of the Lord to Joshua when oh, this passage that we're reading right now and that we're working from right now, uh, God says to Joshua, Moses is dead. Now turn and go forward in victory. Now turn and move forward. And I want to declare to you that the word of the Lord to the church and those of you watching from home and, and those of you that will watch this later at some point in time, that the word of the Lord to the church today is now turn and move forward in victory. 
Now turn and go forward in me. Now stand in me. Now believe in me. Now put your faith in me. Now put your trust in me. Don't look back. Don't look around to the, to the left or to the right, but move forward in me. Because there is a purpose in me that has been hidden in me from the beginning of the ages that you, the church, would show my manifold wisdom to powers and principalities. And one of, the, one of the ways that that happens is that we simply are not shaken out of our place when difficulty arises. One of the ways that powers and principalities scratch their head is whenever you come and you're facing walls in your life and you just march around those walls singing victory, rejoicing, that you just march and sing and rejoice. The walls are not my problem, they're his. He is my king, he is my God. And the enemy is dumbfounded. How is it that in hard times, the worshipers go ahead of the war? God has called you to be the kind of people that confuse the enemy with your life. God has called you to be the kind of people that will confuse the enemy with your life. You decide, I'm going forward in victory. You decide, he set me apart, so I'm setting me apart. You decide, he sanctified me, so I'm sanctifying myself. You decide, he called me, so I'm walking with him. You decide, I'm setting my eye on the prize. I'm fixing my eye on the goal. I have set my perspective on him. My my face is set, the word says, it's an old term that we don't use anymore, that we set our face like flint. It is hard like stone. I have set my face toward the Lord like a piece of stone. It will not be moved out of its place. I'm looking at Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. I'm not going to be moved out of my place. I'm not going to be moved out of my place. I'm going forward in victory. So I want you to, maybe in your Bible, underline these phrases or highlight them or write them on sticky notes and put them on your mirror. might be a good thing to do. So when you get up in the morning and you go, Who, who's that? That there's a word of the Lord there. To the intent. Kerabasvatromahai. Lord, would you let us grasp this right now to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to powers and principalities. God, that the enemy would know when I wake up in the morning. Lord, that the enemy would know who I am. Wait a minute, wait a minute. We've been singing, Lord, I want to be tried by fire and all this kind of stuff and make me who you want me to be. But now pastor's telling me that I, that I, need, to, I need to want the enemy to know who I am. That the enemy would know who I am. That when he looks at me, he would see the power of God at work in the earth.
Lord, when, when the enemy looks at us, let him see the power of God at work in the earth. Let him see the kingdom of God released. Let him see healing released. Let him see words of faith released. Let him see in our connect groups words of encouragement released around the table into the lives of others. Lord, would you let him see the kingdom released through my life? When I go to work, Lord, would you let the enemy see the kingdom released through me? Lord, when somebody's sick, would you let me be like Peter and John on the way to the temple, lame man? Would you let me be like Jesus was with the blind man? Would you let me be like Jesus was with the little widow woman who touched the hem of his garment, that when people get close to me, there's a virtue of the kingdom that flows through my life? 